the Beatles Revolver album. Yeah, it. it I, I think really on many lists, this is this is the peak, and for me, in a lot of ways, this is. I, I mean, the Revolver album is the bomb. I mean, as a wheel of time thing, as just a change in everything. I mean, Rubber Soul, sort of, uh, but we will see how others uh, responded and feel about that. Uh, special guests this week, the Weasels. That's right. We've got the three Weasels, courtesy of Frank Edward Nora. We have Shambles Constant. We have Frank Edward Nora, and we may have Rob. Uh, as of this moment, his uh, contribution has not yet arrived. But if it doesn't, we will do a follow-up and a part two. Or he'll just make it up next week. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I haven't been in direct contact, so I don't know what the exact plans are. But uh, let's get this thing rolling because I'm especially eager to hear uh, the Weasels. I think they've been on here a few times, but on this particular subject, this could be good. So, uh, yes, let's hand the floor over and go to Weasel Land. Shuffleboard. All right, so we're here with the three Weasels. And uh, this is Peter and Brian and Frank, we are the three weasels, and we're going to talk about the Beatles album Revolver. He, what's your view on Revolver? Obviously, it's their seventh album, and it's, it's real changing. What's your view on Revolver? I never heard of it. Wait, what? I never heard of it. The, like the black and white cover with. All right, well, Brian, what's, what do you think about Revolver? Uh, Some people say it's their best album. What's your view? I got to go with Pete here. I have never heard of it. What? But I've got I've got to be curious. All right, so you say it's their seventh album. Can you actually name all their albums in order? I think so. All right, challenge, go. Okay, so we have Please Please Me, With the Beatles, Beatles for Sale, Hard Day's Night, and then uh, Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper, uh... And then uh, Yellow Submarine. And what about the White Album? Oh, oh sorry. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I, I messed up. White Album. After, so after that, White Album, then Yellow Submarine, and then uh, what's it? Um, let it Let it be, and then uh, Happy Road. Yeah. Okay. That I was impressive. Now, my, I have what my friends call a lint roller brain. Some things stick, and other things yeah, don't. Yeah. So I have heard of many of those albums, but not Revolver. Not Revolver. Really? I don't even know what songs are on it. All right. Well, let's bring it up. So you have heard of the Beatles, right? Of course, yeah. Are there any Beatles songs that come to mind that you like? Yes, my favorite one is probably Octopus's Garden. Yep, that's oh, from cool. uh, Abbey Road. I, I What's your favorite Beatles song? That would be Maxwell Silverhammer. Yes. Awesome. Also from that same album. Yeah. Oh, come really? together. It's about a murder, though. No, it's about a murder word. Oh, Yellow okay. Submarine. Yes, that's another good one. several murders. Yes. Well, how many murder songs do the Beatles have? Oh, let's see. Well, we just covered... Uh, you better run for your life if you can, little girl. You could argue that the, per the person singing Help might be running from a murderer. Help, I need somebody. Somebody, help. Jason, for me. 
All right. So, so here's here's the cover of Revolver. It's not normally animated, but it is on Apple Music. Does this look familiar to you? No. No. Doesn't doesn't ring a bell. So we have Taxman. You know that song about taxes? Taxman. I know Eggman, but not. Oh no. I end up war with. And how about Eleanor Rigby? Right, Eleanor oh, Rigby. Oh yeah, we used to sing that in choir in seventh grade. So you know that song? Oh, you of like course, that song? I know that backwards and forwards. How about I'm only sleeping? You don't know. You don't know. Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. So you know that sing. song? Yeah. I love that song. Uh, we had to put Pete on a five-second delay. Yeah. He swears something. So this song goes. <laughs> when I oh, yeah, wake okay. up early in the morning. Yeah, I'm a trucker mouth. Lift yeah. my head. You speak sailor with a. I'm truck. still yawning. <laughs> right. You you, know, you don't like that one? Love you too. Uh, oh, no, that's love me do. Love me. Hold on. Love can we can we hear some of this? Can we hear any of this? Doesn't sound very creative. Can you hear that? Is it too loud? Does that that sound familiar, Taxman? No? Actually, no. You know Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, Yeah, Eleanor Rigby. I'm I'm only sleeping. So you do like a song from this album? I didn't say I didn't like it. I was just not familiar. This is sort of like like the sitar song. Love okay. I know them as singles. Are uh, these are songs that are on Revolver? These are, this is an album called Revolver, okay. yeah. There's no album called Manta Ray? Well, that's the Pixies have the Manta Ray song, which we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Here, There, and Everywhere? No? I didn't know that one. And how about Yellow Submarine? It's on this album. Of course, of course. Yeah, we sang that in quite a few. So you like that? She said, I know what it's like to be dead. No? I didn't know this one. I thought Paul was the only one who was dead. Well, he is dead, yeah. Well, they're all dead. No, they're not. All right, Ringo's still alive. Yes. He's a, Paul McCartney's still alive, isn't he? Well, he's a replacement, in my opinion. A replacement? Paul McCartney was one of the originals. Well, he died in 66 in a car accident. Yeah, and they had to replace him in Paul McCartney. So this one, Good Day Sunshine, any thoughts Ooh, on this one? Right, right. It's a conspiracy theory, Sorry that. Like Avril Lavigne, Paul McCartney's replaced early in his career so they can keep the bucks coming in. So the idea is that he, he just he was driving a car, he drove too fast and had a fatal car accident. Oh. And, he totally James Demons. And oh. yeah, he got decapitated theoretically. Oh yeah, my God. yeah. And um, so they found a guy that looked kinda like him and then because at the time people were right, no one would imagine that anyone would do that. So they start showing pictures of a Paul that looks very different and people are just like, Oh yeah, that yeah, I guess that's Paul. It's not Paul, in my opinion. Mm. All right, and your bird can sing. Any thoughts on this song? Uh, uh, doesn't spread the bell. For no understand. I never really liked the Beatles. I um, started getting into modern music. Doctor Robert, thirty-five. Doctor Pepper, you mean? Like Doctor Robert. It's about it's about getting drugs from the doctor. Oh, dude, there's a surprise. <laughs> the Beatles singing about drugs. I can't imagine. <laughs> and then. Uh, Gotta get you into my life. Anyway, I know that one. You know that one. I know that one. I don't think I do. Tomorrow never knows. Now, who was who was the Beatles that was really responsible for the majority of writing those songs? Of what? Okay. Was it a particular Beatle that wrote the majority of the songs? John Lennon. Yeah, it was a Lennon McCartney. That's how they described their partnership. But um, basically. Uh, yeah, I think John Lennon probably was the main musical force. Yeah. Band. Okay. 
So now, hey, so what? Did, yeah. did you see the movie yesterday? I don't think I saw that one. Oh, you got to see the, it. It's the one where the guy like is in a world where the Beatles never existed. Gets str- falls down and gets struck by lightning, and he switches universes into a universe without the Beatles. And he happens to be a musician, a decent musician, and he remembers all the Beatles songs. So he becomes the yeah. Beatles of that world by just ripping off their songs from the other universe. That's awesome. Pretty cool. And you, you remember that show, Other World, the TV Underworld? series? About a family that goes into another dimension? No. You know what's really no only one season. You know what's yeah. so I'm really getting into? Stranger Things. Uh, yeah. yeah. You don't like that? Yeah. Uh, uh, I like the 80s vibe, but yeah. that's about it. No, what do you like about it? I don't like it. It's a little... I don't know. Tries too hard. Tries too hard? And it's funny because we were the same age as those kids right. in that and same I, I told it, it should be totally relatable. I'm like, we did those exact same things. And like, but they're just something off. Yeah. About it. I, I like the upside down. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty cool concept. Yeah. So in, uh, in Other World, the, 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 the son and the daughter, they do the same thing. They're in the city and they, they basically just copy the songs they know from Earth. And yeah. they become these huge musicians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doing Beatles songs and all sorts. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there was that video game. Um, what was it called? What's the, what's the one? Describe what? it. Uh, Scroller? Shooter? No, it's a first-person sh- uh, uh, shooter, but it's like one of those narrative games. And it's... Uh, what kind of PC? Arcade? Yeah, it's like a PC game. And... Uh, no, the first one had the big daddies and the the little girls. It was like it was like an Ayn Rand utopia. Oh, uh, yeah, underwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, uh, Bioshock. Okay, so Bio- Bioshock. Bioshock Three takes place in like the eighteen nineties, but they have a time machine, so they're actually importing songs from the future. So they have like Cindy Lauper songs and Tears for Fears songs done in the nineteen. I like, would love to hear Cindy Lauper song in Ragtime. Yeah, yeah. That would be, that would be good. That was a cool thing. Otherwise, the game wasn't, wasn't great. Ragtime, Cindy Lauper, Ragtime? Oh, girls just wanted to have fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. But anyway, so the, just the Beatles in general. What's your view, Pete, what's your view of the Beatles in general? O- overrated? Do you love them? What's your view? I think they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, do you actually seek out to listen to them, or if they're on, you listen? If they're on, they're a lot listening. But you're not, like a, you're not like a super fan like me. Are you the same, Brian? You kind of like that? Uh, some of their work is okay. I think they were important musical force that brought that, that brought music forward a, a bit, but I'm really not a big fan of their message. Or their, now, how do you view their message? Though? I don't know. Uh, at times... They promote drug use. At times they're communistic, and um, especially Lennon's song "Imagine" is an anthem for anti-religious. Sentiment. Now, how can you say that just because he says "Imagine no religion"? Yeah, how can, how can <laughs> well, I, how can come I, on, no, no property, no, no heaven, not you know, yeah. no accountability in this life. Do what you want. Yeah, it's yeah, not my my, my like you'll own nothing and be happy. Is that and, yeah. and eat, don't forget, eat the bugs. Yes, eat the bugs. You'll, you'll, own, you'll own nothing. Yeah, and, and you're happy, and you will eat the bugs. Well, well that's why I'm vegan. I'm, I can't eat the bugs. And then, oh, when you, wow. then when you die, you there's will nothing. eat the bugs. How pessimistic is that? You die, and there's nothing. Now, why do you think they're communists? Because of that song back in the USSR. Yeah, things like that. You don't know how lucky you are, uh, boy. Back in the USSR. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Lucy in the sky with diamonds is. Totally about you know Drugs. Lennon's daughter coming home with a picture, 
and they just made a song about the picture, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and hung it on the fridge. And... <laughs> no, it's not, not about the... How about What's the New Mary Jane? You think that's about marijuana or not really? Oh, hey, look at that. Spinach. Cheeseburger? Cheeseburger, no. No, he had the chicken flanton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Are you sure this is my salad? I hope so. I don't know. I just ate someone's salad. Well, it may not yours. be your salad. That's yours. Now, like wait a minute. Is that, what is that? It's a piece of bacon. It's like a piece of gristle or something. I'm sorry. It's coming right out. It's okay. Yummy, yummy bacon. Yeah. Ah. All right. So, uh, thanks, so thanks for uh, being on the Central. Yes, yes. Every time I get this waitress, she doesn't speak English. I think she's from Belarus or something like that. It's everything wrong. Oh, wow. Uh, pardon me. That's chicken quarantine? You said cheeseburger, though. No, sorry. Okay, and it comes with chips, right? Also, um, I asked for French. The Francais. French. En Francais, it's a French. Ranch. What is that? French dressing. French. Oh, so she gave you ranch. It sounds exactly the same. French, French, ranch. Starts with an F. But why would they name two uh, dressings so similarly? You know, French and ranch. Well, French came first. I guarantee you. Ranch was, was an invention. En français? That's good. Thank you. Perfect. So you'd be proud of me. One of my shows had a French title recently. French title? Let's see if you can translate it. Subtilité de la puissance fluviale. Well, given your atrocious pronunciation, I'm going to try. Say that again. Subtilité de la puissance fluviale. I didn't catch that last word, but it's the subtlety of the power of something. Fluviale. Rivers? Subtlety of river power. Okay, okay, yes. Subtlety of the power of rivers. Yes. Here we go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. I mean, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyways, all right. Thanks for being on this on Central, and now we'll continue to the regularly scheduled show. And that's uh, I, people who just have that who didn't know what the Revolver album was. That's beautiful. I, I mean, that's almost being free, and it shows. All of us exist in some sort of bubble. And to find out what's in the other bubbles could be very compelling. And uh, more contributions like this. Thank you so much, oh, oh, sacred weasels, for uh, participating in the tomfoolery here. And you're always invited to um, join in on the magic with whatever you're thinking because that's really what this is all about Um, you don't have to you don't have to like the Beatles Uh, they don't have to have been the life-changing element of your life etc and so forth and um, next up next up shambles constant yeah and uh, i bet she's got a groove for us so um let's just uh sit back and listen together i have gone back and forth before on which 
Beatles album is my favorite. And of course, that's not a, a decision I have to make, you know? I mean, if I never declare a specific Beatles album my favorite, I'm probably not going to get shot. But it's something that, you know, it's it's one of those, uh, you know, like Desert Island disc type things that you do where you, you try to figure these things out. And, you know, in the past, I've kind of declared it to myself to be Abbey Road or Sgt. Pepper, um, sometimes Magical Mystery Tour, but it might be Revolver. <laughs> Um, because it is just such a solid album from start to finish. Um, I'm not going to rip on any of the songs on, on this album. Um, I've never been as partial to um, Got to Get You Into My Life, but that's just because it's, I don't know, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of brass to it, and it's like, eh, you know, that's not always necessarily my thing, but... Uh, you know, this is an amazing album. So let, let's just go through it because that's what we do here. Um, start off with Taxman. I mean, what an opener, you know, to, to right out of the gate. Like you got a little, a short bit, like a little intro where it's like one, two, three, four, what, you know, you hear somebody noodling on a guitar a little bit and then somebody coughs in the background and then boom, ba baloo, ba ba boom, ba baloo. And then you got freaking George at his most bitter. <laughs> he's like, I, I, I kind of imagine that he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm rich. That's pretty good, you know. And then, then he he starts to to do the math and realize he's in a a higher tax bracket. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. One for you, nineteen for me is literally, you know. 95% of uh, his earnings going out the window. <laughs> and, you know, I can kind of see that both ways. I can kind of see, like, that's a that's more money than any human being can ever spend, probably. But also, it's like, wait, what the fuck? What are we doing? Like, I, I, I thought, yeah, anyway. But it's just, it's just putting it into the perspective of the tax man and making the tax man the villain... Um, there's also a Doctor Who story in the 70s that does kind of the same thing um, that Robert Holmes wrote, um, where it was like the, you know, it's, it's it's set on Pluto. This is a tangent, but I'll do it anyway. Um, it's set on Pluto and, um, you know, there's a like a tax collector character that's like this little Weasley guy that's, you know, uh, taking like everybody's money and you know, the, there's a line in there is like, perhaps everybody runs from the tax man. And, you know, I can't help but think that maybe uh, Douglas Adams, not Douglas Adams. Uh, what did I just say? Robert Holmes might have been thinking of this song, <laughs> tax man, you know, making it, uh, you know, because in both of them, in both of those things, you know, the bitterness just seized, seeds through. <laughs> and the lines in this song and in, in, in tax man, you know, it's like if you if you drive a car, I'll tax the street. If you try to sit here, I'll 
tax your seat. If you get too cold, I'll tax the heat. If you take a walk, I'll tax your feet. Oh, God. Uh, that is an, an amazing little, little, little uh, section of lyric. <laughs> And then, then also you got that guitar bit in the middle. It was like, you know, I can just imagine George being like, back up. <laughs> Give me that guitar. I've written a kick-ass, very um, biting song. I'm, Give me that guitar because I got to get finished getting this out. Like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm still angry. And it's a great song. And there's also like... Uh, you know, in the earlier takes of it, before George and the rest of the Beatles really had it solidified, uh, you know, there's an interesting backing vocal where they go, anybody got a bit of money? Anybody got a bit of money? Anybody got a bit of money? <laughs> and, you know, I kind of wish they hadn't cut that because I really, <laughs> I really like that. It's, you know, it's a, it's a nice little bit in, in the midst of that song. Um, so then you got Eleanor Rigby, which is about as far in the other direction thematically as you could possibly get. Um, but it's got Paul and, you know, there's a whole legend about how it was, you know, they were, the Beatles were, you know, deep into composing songs at this point. And, you know, they got an unexpected break from, you know, like, well, they weren't touring anymore. And then... They were supposed to make a third movie, and then it got canceled for whatever reason. So they had a gap in their schedules that all they, you know, where they had spare time, which was almost unheard of in the in the '60s, where everybody was, you know, all these bands were having to, you know, release like two albums a year and release, uh, as somebody said on last week's show, and um, you know, you had to do this, 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 and this, and the Beatles were to the point where like, we're, okay, we're done doing this and this. We might do this, but not the other this, you know? And um, so they were so deep into the whole composing thing and, you know, kind of in their own heads and um, composing this song. Paul originally had it as, as Father McCartney. And none of the Beatles thought that, that there was anything weird in that. <laughs> it's like, I think it just seemed, oh yeah. And then like, I think it took like George Martin or somebody to go, wait, boys, <laughs> hang on a minute. You can't do Father McCartney. That's too on the nose here. So they, you know, so it's Father McKenzie. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very sad song, Eleanor Rigby. And, you know, she, like she had dreamt of a, a wedding and she, you know, uh, she's end up very much alone and all the lonely people, where do they all come from? And it, you know, it's a very sad song, but also a, a beautiful song, um, as well, you know, and, uh, you know, I've used the word haunting to describe a couple of other Beatles songs so far. And, um, I'll, I'm sure I'll use that word again because I can think of at least one other song coming up in a couple of albums that would probably fit in that. But yeah, this is kind of a haunting song. Um, and it, it's, it's very sad and, you know, but the, the string section is great. Um, I, I love the, the string sec section and the whole thing, you know, um, it was a bold move to put the song so early on the album, you know, they're used to like the Beatles were used to like 
being like, okay, what song is the crowd pleaser? You know, what song is another crowd pleaser? What are we going to do? You know, and, but then, you know, they're like, like, no, we have Eleanor Rigby. We need to put, we, we need to put it kind of at the forefront. Okay, George, we'll let, you know what, George, you can open the album this time. George's like, no shit. Yes, you can open the album this time. But <laughs> we got we to gotta put Eleanor on there. <laughs> she's She's got to go on there. And um, it's it's one of the first, if not the, I'm trying to think now, but where the Beatles are putting, you know, the name of a character, you know, as the song, like the song is about this character. And, um, you know, there will, there'll be quite a few more of those coming up, but, uh, you know, so it, it functions as a, as a short story, kind of like maybe something like William Faulkner would write. Um, it kind of, you know, it kind of hits like that a little bit, like a kind of like a Rose for Emily kind of a thing. Um, beautiful song. And then you've got, then you've got, I'm only sleeping. You know, there's like, George has started off, you know, right out of the gate being like, screw you government, you know? And, and, and then Paul's like, man, all these lonely people. And then John's like, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I was like, all right, I am tired. I don't feel like doing nothing. Um, I'll, I'll write some more songs, which, and oh God, he did <laughs> on this one. But like, John is like, he's like, nope, I am good. I am sleeping. I'm only sleeping. Please don't spoil my day. I'm, I'm miles away. Um, incidentally, this, this album revolver, um, I have taken lyrics from two different, uh, songs on here at least maybe, maybe more, but I, um, and, and put them as, um, titles for radio free shambles episodes in the past, um, both in 2016. Cause I was, I was looking back to see, you know, um, on the, uh, you know, the archives to see what, you know, and one of the the shows was called please don't spoil my day i'm miles away um and it was you know and that was in a reference to me being really sleepy and being at work somebody's trying to talk to me and i'm just like phasing out um the other one i'll point out when i get to it but you know i'm i'm only sleeping um you know i it, it's got you know it's got some great guitar parts there's like most of these songs have really great um guitar parts in them you know um and he's like it's just it's john kind of in a dream and you know everybody seems to think i'm lazy i don't mind <laughs> i think they're crazy like why are we why are we busting our asses here can we just can i just take a nap for god's sake um revolver is probably the one uh beatles album that i originally had the american version because in the late eighties they were they were there was kinda it was kinda confusing. Like they were releasing um cassettes of of the American versions and then like you know, it seemed like, you know, when I was in the music store, like the C D would have extra songs on it and I'm like, what the hell? But this one I bought um on a cassette and it was it was all the same songs except for it was missing three of them. Uh, I'm only sleeping. Uh, she said, she said, and Dr. Robert, 
um, all of which are great John songs. So without those songs, you know, there's a lot less um, John influence on on the album, and you know, it was definitely lacking for for missing all three of those songs because uh, when I eventually got the CD, I'm like, what the f- why why did they do that? Why would they do- don't cut the great songs? I would just leave it all. You know, and like I didn't really understand at the time what the, you know, but I think this is the last. Yeah, this is the last album where the American version was different from the British version. So, but that's how I originally got used to it. And then I had to kind of like re readjust my brain later when I found out the CD had more songs and then, and then pick it up. So, um, so, okay. Moving further, George isn't really that pissed off (laughs) on the next, his next composition, Love You Too. Um, which the title doesn't appear in the lyrics of the the song, and in a way, it's kind of like a reaction to you know their early stuff, like like you know their early like "Love Me Do," um, you know those those, those kind of songs where everything was pretty simple. "From Me to You," um, you know, it was a straightforward. Um, I, I'm in love with you, and this I'm going to talk about it. You know, this is like a, a more you know, um, searching for more, searching for, for truth and finding a lot of truth in the concept of love, um, which, you know, was, was kind of touched upon, um, in the song, the word on, on rubber soul. Um, but this is like a more direct, well, the word is pretty direct in the, in the, the, the message, but th- this is more like, like, searching for it like the word is like you know have you heard the word is love and love you too is like maybe you know you're let's help you find it like help you find it you know i'm not just gonna say like you know, like like the word is love is like how am i gonna find the word that you're talking about you know um you know and this 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 whole idea of like it's kind of like an expanding your consciousness kind of feel to it with uh the sitar and that's like beep, bah, blah, 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 at the beginning and um, a little bit of a different kind of a time signature on the song. And, you know, it's very philosophical, you know, it's very George. Oh my God. The song is so George, you know, this is like George and his more content, content, contemplative, but also there's kind of an under undercurrent of urgency to it. Um, love me while you can before I'm a dead old man, um, which I never quite made out what that lyric is. I had to look, look it up just now just to, cause I couldn't remember exactly. Cause it's a little hard to make that, that line out when you're listening to it. It's like, oh, man, I was like, what'd you say? But, um, uh, but it's a, you know, it's like a lifetime is so short. A new one can't be bought. You know, and then like you don't get time to hang a sign on me. Like, just there's just there there's a touch of desperation, not in a bad way, but like a little bit of desperation underneath. Of like, I've got to find. What the hell was that? Anyway, sorry, just heard. Never mind. <laughs> not important. Um, but like, there's a touch of of like I have to find this. I have to find what love is all about 
where where this is going you know where life what what this what is this about what is this about so um okay yeah that's uh the first tuesday of the month at 10 a.m as i'm recording this so hearing the siren-y thing you know yeah anywho um and so you know following love you too we've got um okay you're talking about <laughs> paul's like okay george you're talking about love you know and and finding out what life's about um paul's like you know what to lead a better life <laughs> and that's the other lyric that's the <laughs> see i'm on a roll here i don't want to stop recording can you hear that i don't know if you i don't know if it if it's coming out very well on the recording, but that's okay. Screw it. I'm just going to keep going. Um, but like here, there and everywhere, of course, is the song that I'm referring to. And that's the other song that I got um, a show title from um, to lead a better life um, was an episode, another episode that I put out in uh, 2016. And, you know, it, it's, Hey Milo, <laughs> like sirens and cats, um, but like here making each day of it's it's a it's just a really beautiful love song. It's just a beautiful love song, you know. Um, you know it's it's kind of slow and it's it's pensive. Making each day of the year. Changing my life with the wave of her hand. Nobody can deny that there's something there. It's got that, those higher notes to it, and those ones that I I, I struggle to to hit, and I can't quite hit, but I'm doing a a, a vague approximation of the of the song, and you know, it's just a lovely lovely song. I I don't really have a lot to say to to analyze that particular one but it's just you know i mean it's it's beautiful it's just beautiful um uh, you know and then perhaps you know going with the flow of the album <laughs> yellow submarine coming right after it is a bit is a little bit jarring in a way um but i you know i love yellow submarine you got to love yellow submarine um, maybe you don't, maybe, maybe some of y'all don't love it, but, um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great, uh, Ringo vocal, you know, it, it's like, it, it's kind of like the, the more childlike, um, version of some of the other songs, you know, it's like, we all live in a yellow submarine, like everything's great because here we are in this yellow submarine and there's like, you know, and there's a band, um, you know, <laughs> there, there's like all kinds of kooky characters on this yellow submarine that maybe we'll file that idea back for later and do something with it in a couple years. Uh, I don't know. I say crazy things, but yeah, maybe we will, you know, and, um, and yellow submarines, one of the first songs from the Beatles that I played for my daughter when she was little and, you know, and she, and she loved it and, um, you know, it's, it's a good song like that where it's just, and there's, there's a lot of fun sound effects in it. Um, 
you know, oh, spinning plane right now, It's like, there's just a, a, a lot of fun little business going on in, in that, in that song. And, uh, so it's, you know, it's a feel good tune. Um, there's, there's really, there's no doubt about it. So, and we'll be talking about that one again. Um, she said, she said, um, <laughs> um, I guess th- this is like, this came from a conversation with Peter Fonda between Peter Fonda and John Lennon, you know, where it was like, you know, she said, or, or it was originally like he said, and then John changed the gender, you know, to kind of give it a, a different, a different spin. Um, you know, he said, I know what it's like to be dead. I know what it is to be sad. And I'm, and you're making me feel like I've never been born. That was like the, the, the banter back and forth, you know, it was like Peter Fonda was like, I know what it's like to be dead. I don't know if they were, they might've been talking about LSD on that one. I can't remember. I need to read up on that a little bit. And then John's like, are you kidding me with this? What are you talking about? You're making me feel like I've never been born or making me wish I'd never been born, you know? Who put all that shit in your head, which became who put all those things in your head, you know, things that make me feel like I'm mad, um, uh, you know, and it's another one of those songs that's got some great guitar and drum on it. And, it, you know, um, and it just, uh, you know, it's, it, it's groovy. <laughs> it's, I'm just going to say that it's, you know, it's groovy. Uh, you never understand what I said. No, no, no. When I was a boy, everything was right. You know, so there's, there, there's a nostalgia factor. Like, a there's like a, maybe a rose colored glasses kind of a thing. Because if we're talking about John, like, no, not everything in his childhood was, not everything went well in, in John's childhood, you know, as we know from, uh, you know, a couple of his songs from his first solo album, um, mother, you had me, but I never had you. Um, so, but he's looking at it kind of through rose colored glasses on, on that little bit there. Um, everything is right. Everything was right. Um, now I'm trying to figure this out and I don't know, you know, there's, there's a lot of like, uh, like self exploration and like, you know, trying to work out what things are about. And there's some frustration that, you know, I'm not quite getting there. And this guy is like, I know what it's like to be. It is like, you don't know what it's like to be dead. What are you talking about? What in the hell? Um, all in a lovely little package of a song. <laughs> but, um, like I say, I feel kind of cheated for not, um, having had that one on the original, uh, revolver cassette that I had in the late eighties. And of course it was on, one of the other American releases. I don't know, but, um, so then we've got, okay. So I'm, uh, I'm looking at the, the song titles off of, uh, off of Amazon music and it doesn't say where side B would start. Wouldn't side B didn't start at good day sunshine. I think I want to say that should be cause we're, that's the, this is like the midpoint of the album, so I'm I'm thinking probably so. Um, Good day sunshine was, um, whether intentionally or not, um, um, uh, you know, an attempt at 
writing a loving a loving spoonful song which you know it's definitely in that vibe it's definitely in like the it's a beautiful morning you know like and daydream and some of the other loving spoonful songs like that you know did you ever have to make up your mind um but it's just you know it's like just taking joy in a beautiful day um good day sunshine and and being in love and it's just it's really just as simple as that and it's you know it's it's one of the the best Beatles songs for for just expressing joy um you know i just i really love that one um i you know i really love uh good day sunshine there's some fun piano in there in the middle and um it just you know it works really well for me um then you got and your bird can sing which the this again okay so john later on um denounced the song it was just like it was it was a throwaway it wasn't very good but but damn i you know i gotta disagree with that because it is a really great song you know um like the the, the um the guitar part you know um and like there's a a really great um outtake of this where they're just laughing their asses off trying to do this song and um probably high <laughs> i'm guessing you know they they sound like they might be high or they're just maybe it's like well uh, either that or it must be like two in the morning i don't know <laughs> maybe maybe it's like two in the morning and they're trying to do this song they're just laughing their asses off you know and then they're like riffing on it and john's like when your bike is broken instead of when your bird is broken you know um you may be awoken i'll be round i'll be round there's a there's a nice rhyme scheme with that song as well and uh yeah i really like and your bird can sing um for no one uh is you know, uh, you know, like a love that should have lasted years. It's like the, uh, it's a breakup. Of course, it's like the end of a, a relationship, you know, I knew someone, but now he's gone. She doesn't need him. Um, you know, it's, there's, it, it's kind of wistful. Um, and it just, uh, oh, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> that's, that's a, it's kind of there's a waltz to it too, isn't there? It's like do 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 do. You find that all the world's kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. It's one of those Paul songs with an amazing melody to it. It's got you know some great stuff in there. Um, Doctor Robert, um, Doctor Robert, I guess was an actual person. Was this? Um, I, I need to read up on that story again. It's like dr robert who gave them lsd or something like that or like it was a real guy that they were aware of you know um well you're feeling fine he'll make you um it's you know that that's a song that i guess i don't that's one that i don't really think about too much except for when i'm listening to revolver um but uh you know it, it's just it's another one that's like it's very catchy you know it really it catches in your head you know um and it's just it's an it's another one where we're talking about a specific character um 
some of them were characters that were made up. This apparently was an actual dude. And, um, you know, me and my friend, I said you called Dr. Robert. Like Bob Robert. I like, <laughs> I like how they call him Bob Robert in the song. So um, that's that's a fun one. That's, uh, you know, um, there's probably more going on there that I'm, I'm recognizing. Um, then you got I Want to Tell You, which to me is like, you know, kind of also going into this theme of trying to figure things out. And, you know, I got nothing. <laughs> I, got, I got no words here. I'm trying to, you know, it's George. This is an album. This is the, I think the only album besides like the longer white album where George got, you know, more than two songs. <laughs> George gets, uh, George wrote three songs on this one. Um, you know, tax man, um, what was that one I was just talking about? Uh, uh, love you too. And then, um, or love you too, not love you too, love you too. And then I want to tell you, it's like, my head is full of things to say. Um, great, uh, great chord progression to that one too. Um, and I don't have much else to say about it. <laughs> it's like, I want to tell you what I think about. I want to tell you, but, um, I'm struggling to find words at this point. Um, got to get you into my life. Um, like I said earlier, that's, you know, the heavy uh, brass to it. Um, I don't jive with quite as well as some of the other songs, but that's not to denounce the song in any, in any sense. Um, you know, it's, you know, that's another great song. It's like, um, I was alone. I took a right. I didn't know what I would find there. You know, you get another, another like Paul lower note going up to a higher note, um, abruptly kind of a thing. Um, although it works better here than it did on, uh, what was I talking about? You won't see me on the previous album. Um, kind of a, is, is kind of a bit of an overkill there, but, um, on this one, it works better. And, uh, you know, it's like, did, did I tell you I need you? Say we'll be together every day. You know, and this, um, got to get you into my life. You know, uh, there's also like an outtake for that one. It was like, somehow, some way, I need your love. I need your love. I need your love. Um, it, it's interesting. You know, it starts really getting interesting hearing some of the outtakes when we get to this point where they're like, experimenting with with these songs and you know each take is almost like a different song for some of them like e each take we're, we're getting to that stage of the, of the Beatles career where um, they were trying a lot of different things and a lot of different substances okay that was a <laughs> that was kind of a cheap joke but um, you know they were they're were really experimenting and they were they were just coming into their own and just becoming something completely different than what they had been before. Um, and then, holy God, you've got Tomorrow Never Knows, which is one hell of a way to to close out an album. Um, that's kind of more of that, uh, you know, how John was really tired earlier and he just wanted a nap. <laughs> well, now we got Turn Off Your Mind, Relax, and Flow Down the Stream. It is not dying. Um... You know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, taking some acid, uh, and, and, but there is so much going on in this song, um, you know, with the instrumentation, there I am, there I go again with that word instrumentation, 
Um, I, I tend to say that a lot uh, in some of these reviews. But, uh, uh, you know, the, but there's so much stuff going on. It's like, uh, it's almost on, on the stage of like a sound collage, like a, a early attempt at something like Revolution 9 or, you know, going into that. But, you know, with all music, <laughs> but um, not really like just talking bits, but um, it, it's like... The it it almost feels like the song was put together haphazardly, but in a way where everything just just worked. Um, it it and the there's a lot of that kind of stuff in it too. Where's like where did that weird creepy effect come from? You know, but uh, it just and it's like it's almost like are you going into a dream or are you going into a nightmare? Because there's elements of both in Tomorrow Never Knows. Another song where the title does not appear in the lyrics. And I think that was another Ringo uh, malapropism, you know, like like Hard Day's Night or like that. Um, but uh, but it's it's just one hell of a... It's, it's like a, a... You know, it's like... Tur you're turning off your mind, but you're also going deep into your mind and you're getting... You might be getting stuck there. Um, it might be difficult to, and there, there are some very different. There's a couple very different outtakes of this song um, that that exist as well, like on the on the anthology and stuff like that. Uh, you know, where the, again they were trying different things, and it has a a different effect to your your listening ear. Um, but one hell of a way to close out this this album. Yeah, I, and I, yeah, this is, Revolver is probably going to end up being um, the highlight here because I'm thinking of the other albums and thinking, of, you know, trying to think of like, you know, well, this was great, this was great. And then there's like, oh, yeah, but it's got that one song that's like, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Um, like, <laughs> you know, you know, like Abbey Road's got, uh, you know, Maxwell Silverhammer. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Magical Mystery Tour's got your, your mother should know. And that kind of brings, you know, brings the whole thing down a little bit. And we'll get to that. But, but man, yeah, Revolver is just is an amazing album. And, uh, yeah, that's probably going to end up being my favorite of their entire uh, oeuvre. Um, if I'm using that word correctly, but, uh, really great stuff. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of spent now because I've been, I've said a lot of things in the last, uh, 34 minutes, 35 minutes of, uh, my own personal time here. So I think I'm probably just going to leave it at that and say back to you, PQ River. The enthusiastic and um, effusive shambles with us. Oh, that was great. And, uh, yeah, that really, I, I have to agree with you after giving it that other listen. And I've been, I've only peeked at the remixes and remasters on the new, new version. And I have one of those purple chick collections which is probably very similar but 
more because they're just overkill those purple chick collections. Oh man. Uh, one of these days we need to exchange some uh, beetle boodle beet legs amongst ourselves here because there's some wonderful yet further alternate takes. And um, when we start talking about those BBC session songs, that's like that's just a massive and crazy collection of stuff. Uh, but well done, Shambles. Uh, I can't say that I found anything I disagree with. Um, I, too, have always found the horns on Got to Get You Into My Life daunting uh, to allow me to love it. But it, it and that f- for no one. It, that that's just an amazing piece of something there. Ah, yes, and uh, yeah, no, no word yet. Uh, we're still watching the email eagerly for uh, Rob to maybe show up. But uh, it, like I say, the, the, don't worry about it. I, he's he's been very reliable. Something may have come up, and it, he'll be here. He'll be back. And uh, God, can you imagine? a review trying to tackle revolver and yeah we're we're that it's no big secret we're about to hit sergeant pepper which for a lot of people and it really is an important album i mean the release of sergeant pepper was a huge it was so much bigger than the release of Revolver. There'd been a little extra time between Beatle albums. Uh, things were a little more mysterious because they'd really, you know, everybody, oh, yeah, they're going to stop touring. But they stopped touring. They didn't make a lot of public appearances. And Sergeant Pepper, which, again, after Revolver, Nothing before sounded like Sergeant Pepper, but that's next week. Anyways, uh, yeah, like I said, we got, we got the Frank Edward Nora here, so uh, you don't want to go anywhere, because, uh, yeah, he's got it going. <laughs> Every moment of every day was beetle, beetle, beetle. Sort of group soul. Just as a group, as, um, you know, our career, everything. It was just all the attention, the media. It was all Beatles until uh, the Beatles just drove us crazy. So when did George Harrison sort of break through as an identity? Um, 1966. Well, I mean, he was always in there, George Harrison, whoever the real one is, was always there, really. But 1966 was when I sort of woke up out of my dream. What made you wake up? Well, a number of things. The experiences that we were having, and one experience which I don't really like to talk about too much, but somebody put something in my coffee... Right. So it changed your consciousness. It changed me a lot, yeah. Hmm. Then I went off to India, (laughs) into the Himalayas. So the uh, the context of this this video, this is on the channel Justice for James Paul McCartney, 
George Harrison talking about Paul's death in 1966 on September 11th. Then I went off to India, and that was in um, uh, that was on September 14th. This is in 1966. So he is talking about someone putting LSD in his coffee, but apparently that of that incident was actually from 1965 and not 1966. So that was a way of George actually talking about Paul's death without actually saying it. Um, so yeah, we're here talking about Revolver, the album that came out in August of 1966. And this, this time period, August and September 1966, is really the end of an era in a number of ways. And of course, the central issue here is Paul McCartney dying in a car accident and being replaced by a lookalike. This is a an idea that is not proven and that a lot of people disagree with. Uh, I've spent a huge amount of time researching this. A lot, uh, most of it, actual visual research, looking at what Paul looked like before and after, and then secondarily, I would say all of the clues they put on the albums and the album artwork after this. Um, so not only did they make a big to do about Paul being dead in songs, playing forwards and backwards in album artwork in so many ways. And a few years after this, it became a big international con uh, you know, idea that, that, that everyone was talking about how Paul died and was replaced. In my opinion, right, from every, all the research that I have done, uh, I, I, it does seem that Paul was replaced. Now, as to whether or not he was in a car accident, I would have no idea. This seems to be the information Everyone seems to agree on it. It was in either September or October 1966. Paul had a terrible car accident. He was driving and got killed. And uh, he was replaced by this, um, you know, Billy Campbell, Billy Shepard guy. And, uh, you know, you can agree or disagree, but in my opinion, um, this is what happened. And that's what George Harrison was talking about, what happened in 1966. He's not allowed to talk about it. He was not allowed to talk about it directly. Of course, he's passed away since now as well. That's why Revolver really stands as a, uh, uh, you know, accumulation of the, of, of the Beatles with all four original members. So uh, in August also, apparently, the Beatles played their final live concert uh, where they were, uh, you know, touring America. I think it was in San Francisco. I have to look it up. In August, right? The same month that this album came out in August, they finished their, they decided to stop touring also in the same month. And then a few weeks later, Paul dies of a car accident. And, uh, right, it's all different. And also a few months after that is where uh, I would think, I think in November, if I remember correctly, uh, John Lennon met Yoko Ono, November 1966. I think it was earlier in 66 where John Lennon said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus, which really started this huge controversy. People were burning Beatles records. So 66, I mean, obviously that is a transitional and pivotal year beyond the Beatles. I mean, this was, you know, so many things, you know, I believe the monkeys and the Batman TV show, Batman, Taxman, see, it's all, it's all connected. Um, what a huge year. And uh, yeah, Paul, dying, of course, leads the Beatles now into a completely different direction. Um, the albums that followed, 
uh, uh, you know, they're even saying that Beatles historians say that up until this point, up until Revolver, John Lennon had been kind of the lead creative force of the band. But now after Revolver, Paul McCartney becomes the lead creative force of the band. And I would like to say that the albums that follow this, right? I mean, Sgt. Pepper, White Album, Heavy Road, and Let It Be, and Yellow Submarine are absolutely amazing, bizarre, weird, wonderful. And I can just imagine, you know, if you could go back in time and, and prevent this car accident, it would be pretty easy, I would imagine, um, just go out to Paul's car while he's in the studio and disable the car, you know, just do something simple that makes the car not work. And uh, then you've completely changed history. And what, what albums would there have been with Paul still alive? Can you imagine Paul remaining alive and the Beatles then continuing on, not just to 1969, but beyond, even till the present day, perhaps? That's the dream. I've, you know, I think so many Beatles fans have wondered about what would have happened traditionally if the Beatles didn't break up. Uh, but I think it was Paul's death that precipitated the breakup of the Beatles. Uh, there's only so much you could do. The remaining members, uh, obviously the replacement guy was sort of brought in and uh, he was going to do his job no matter what. But the other three Beatles were in a terrible, terrible situation. Again, I will stress that this is not a proven fact. This is something that um, right, I feel is 99.9% .9 certain that the Paul that we see after this is not the same person that was Paul before this. That to me is obvious from the image, from just what the guy looks like. He does not look like Paul. I mean, he looks a lot like Paul, but not exactly. And I can pretty much tell any picture if it's uh, Paul or Billy. I don't think a lot of people have spent a huge amount of time looking at images of Paul before this, right? And comparing it with Paul, what Paul looked like. I think most people think that what Paul McCartney looks like is the current Paul. And I know this is a lot of talk about Paul's dying when we're, when we're talking about Revolver, but I think it's really important because this is, this is the end. The real Paul, James Paul McCartney, worked on Revolver, and then he was gone, right? So it's the end, it's the end of that era. And uh, you know, I've been listening to Revolver, just utterly amazing, because as, as I've sort of said, it seemed like each of the albums was better than the one before it, and Rubber Soul last time from 65 was the best yet. Uh, you know, Revolver is a whole nother level. It's so much better than any of the previous albums. A lot of people call it their best album. I, I think that's a fair assessment. I personally like the, the White Album. I would, if I had to name one album that was my favorite album, it would be the White Album. But I totally can see this one. And in fact, they just released a super deluxe edition of, of uh, Revolver. Right. Uh, this was just a few months ago. The Super Deluxe Edition came out, and it included the the uh, a brand new mix. Right. So a brand new mix is basically they went back to the uh, the the tracks and remixed it. You know, which is a, a very much a recreation. But I've been enjoying listening to the mono version, which is uh, disc four on streaming here. Uh, I really enjoy the mono version. I don't know what it is about it. There's something about the mono version that just sounds better in some ways. Um, it looks like they're also, just like the last album, there was a single that was released at the same time. It looks like Paperback Writer and Rain, uh, um, I'm assuming, were released around the same time. 
a couple more great songs that were not on the album. And this also was the last album that uh, the American distributor changed the album. This is so kind of infuriating that um, the American record company would take the record that the Beatles produced and then mix it up, change the songs, delete songs, add songs. It is just maddening. And in fact, if you, you know, the band The Clash, their first album had the same thing going on where the American version had all different songs on it. Uh, this, and this was the last album where this happened. So after this, the Beatles renegotiated their contract and with the American label, and it was, uh, right, they were no longer, the American record label was no longer able to alter the albums. Can you imagine Sgt. Pepper? Oh, let's just change everything. Let's take some songs out and fixing a hull, fix this. Let's put more, let's get rid of that song. You know, it's just crazy. So they, this is when they stopped doing it. It is almost, because to me, Revolver is one of those kind of albums that how can you change it? But they did, apparently. Um, there's so much about this album. This is so different than anything that came before. And, you know, I've been talking about, as we've been sort of living through the history of the Beatles here on The Central, um, right? I even said after help, you wonder if these guys are going to be able to keep topping themselves. Then they come up with Rubber Soul, and then you, you almost wonder, are they going to be able to keep doing it? And then they come up with Revolver. Um, what I had seen is that they early early in 66, they were going to actually make another movie, uh, another mo- a movie uh, after help, but apparently that got canceled. I didn't see the details of that, but that allowed them to have a few months off. And so they basically just went off and didn't have to do any Beatles stuff. All the Beatles went off on their separate ways. And then they came back in April, and they were all ready, and they spent three more months recording uh, Revolver. And so this was, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, sort of the ideal situation for them in terms of having time to rest and then having time to record. And <clears throat> in terms of the uh, using the recording studio as an instrument in and of itself, doing things you never could do live on stage, this is where they started doing that on the last album, but this album is uh, completely like that. And I, I again, I need to look it up how when they decided to stop touring, but these songs would have been a lot of these songs would have been much more difficult to perform live, right? And I think they they didn't want to be tied to they didn't obviously if you produce albums, right, you want to be able to perform it live. But in this case, since they had made that decision, they didn't have to worry about, oh, can we play this live? They just went nuts and did whatever they wanted creatively. And um you know, I think uh, obviously the last song in the album, Tomorrow Never Knows, is um, a moment in music where so many things changed. And uh, they say this was a, an early use of sampling, right? It was uh, using tape loops. It was about drugs. LSD sort of dominates uh, this album. Um, so this is, this, this is a real just sea change, if that's the right word. Um, especially the album's artwork by uh, Klaus Vormann, who was someone they knew from back in the uh, the Hamburg, Germany days. Um, this is uh, an incredible cover that's sort of unlike anything else. Again, it doesn't say Beatles on the cover. It just says Revolver. Revolver, like Rubber Soul, is a phrase that really has nothing to do with any of the songs or anything. It's just the quote I heard is that Paul McCartney said that uh, that's what albums do. They revolve, you know. 33 and 3rd revolutions per minute. Um, 
And so it's these, these black and white line drawings along with photo collage all in black and white. And the idea was it was sort of a, uh, a, a con- uh, it was to contrast the existing psychedelic multicolored world. They wanted something that was, certainly it's psychedelic, the cover, but it's in black and white, I think, which I think, you know, as, as two albums later, they do the white album, which is completely white except for the embossed word, the Beatles. Now they've, then they brought the Beatles back. Right. Um, but this is just remarkable. And then for this super deluxe on Apple Music, at least, they have an animated version of the cover where they're blinking and there's all this animation going on. It's pretty wild what they did here. I'm not sure this animated cover is, is used anywhere else. Um, let's see. I want to see. Yeah, because they, cause they have the regular and the super deluxe here. Yeah, I want to see. Let's just check out the the Revolver documentary that they uh, they put together on Apple Music. This is on the non deluxe version. Let's just see what they have to say here. These are always interesting. It's a little few minutes of uh, video documentary that they ta- they put on each of the Beatles albums on Apple Music. Me. I don't see too much difference myself in Rubber Soul and Revolver. To me, they could both be like Volume 1 and Volume 2. They both were very pleasant and enjoyable records for me. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. We were having more fun in the studio from Revolver, Rubber Soul, as it was building up. It was getting more experimental. The songs were getting better. Interesting. So that's where we were going. Right, Paul, are you there? Their ideas now were beginning to become much more potent in the studio. And they would start telling me what they wanted. And they would start pressing me for more ideas. You come up with things like, well, have you heard an oboe? Oh, which one's that? Is this one? Yeah, that would be nice. So it was really, we grew together. Quite, quite brisk. Uh, moderato, Foxtrot. Is it? Oh, of course, I couldn't see. One, two, three, four. Oh, no, stop, stop, stop. Tape up, got tape on backwards. You went to play it, and it's bloody hell, sounds Indian. That's the first record with backwards music on it. Before Hendrix, before the Who, before any proper. I think I was composing more, and actually getting a couple on the albums. It was good. It felt nice. One, two, three, four. One, two. of the thing it doesn't just seem like you know it's they're giving me my slot it was on revolver that of course we have the track tomorrow never knows which was 
uh, a great innovation. That's me in my uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead period. So I gave it a throwaway title because I was a bit self-conscious about the lyrics of Tomorrow Never Knows. So I took one of Ringo's malapropisms, which was like hard day at night, to take the edge off the heavy philosophical lyrics. Musically, I felt we were progressing in leaps and bounds. Some of the stuff on this and the Rubber Soul album was brilliant. There's nothing like it. I was alone, I took a ride, I didn't know what I would find there. Another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind there. We suddenly thought, hey, what does a record do? It revolves, great. You know, and it, so it was a revolver. I need you every single day. There you go, the little documentary there. I know that, uh, remember the band Oasis? And so it's, it, at this point, Oasis is, is weird to remember because they were definitely compared to the Beatles, I think, a bit. Um, and they mentioned Tomorrow Never Knows in one of their lyrics. Let me see if I can find that. All right, I found it. So it's the song Morning Glory. I remember this being a pretty good song. It just seems like Oasis came and went, you know, for a few years in the 90s there. Let me, let me see if I can find the part where they mention Tomorrow Never Knows. I know it starts off, all your dreams are made when you're chained to the mirror and the razor blade. Is that it? More drug talk. Music about drugs! Oh, today's the day. Then I think the next time they do it is Tomorrow Never Knows, right? Walking to the sound of my favorite tune, Tomorrow Never Knows. See? That's their favorite song. It's from Revolver. Yeah. I want to get a clearer look at this, uh, this cover. It's quite a quite a remarkable. I don't think I I don't have this record. I do have a couple white albums and some other albums. I, don't, I do not have Revolver on vinyl though. Let's see. Okay, I found a pretty big representation of the cover. So yeah, there's a lot of black and white photos of the Beatles cut out, along with uh, line drawings, and uh, then at the bottom, Revolver in what looks like it could be a. Helvetica condensed, or one of those kind of uh, sans serif fonts, and then of course the gra uh, trademark of the Gramophone Company Limited. That sort of pound, that the 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 L sort of looks like the pound symbol, not the pound sign, the pound symbol. And then Klaus W. Vorman, '66, on the right there. And uh, so, in general, in the cover art, you have Paul in the upper left, John in the upper right, Ringo in the lower left, and George in the lower right. And Paul is completely in profile so you, so you're seeing him facing to the left John is straight on but he's looking to the left so to his right Ringo is uh, a three-quarters view and sort of looking up into the right and then George Harrison is uh, looking straight into the uh, camera the viewer and uh, the eyes are actually cut out um, 
photos of eyes. The rest of the and uh, also George Harrison's lips are a photo, but the rest of them are drawings. And there's a lot of to do with the hair. The hair is sort of uh, drawn very detailed, and there's things going on with the hair. Like the hair is stretched out, it's intertangling with things, and there's a lot going on here. This, so this collage definitely feels a lot like the Sgt. Pepper's cover in some ways. Also that collage we saw on the inside of Beatles for Sale, I believe, that was not produced by the Beatles, but it was a collage of movie stars. Uh, so there's a heck of a lot going on. Um, inside Paul's ear, there's, there's a drawing of someone in the ear. Then there's, it almost looks like the Rolling Stones. I don't know. Is this supposed to be the Beatles, these four? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I guess it is supposed to be the Beatles, but four of them here in drawing. Again, the hair is intertwined with them. There's some sort of weird little knight doll or something on top of John's ear. Uh, there's so much going on. Uh, is that George wearing one of those pith helmets? And then John wearing a fake beard. And it's just all these ideas coming out of their head. There's someone's playing this weird flute. Um, and I think that Klaus Vormann had put a picture of himself there. Yeah, by his, by his, uh, the, what it says, Klaus W. Vormann. But just the idea that there's, this is definitely feels like, you know, the hair and, the heads and you know the sort of things coming the ideas coming out of their heads so many details here <laughs> there's like weird faces in the top middle and then Paul looking like he's crying George dressed up as a cowboy <laughs> there's just so many things and then there's John half photo and half drawing with the crisscross pants on yeah it's uh, it's quite quite a cover quite revolutionary for a revolver cover and the back cover has uh, the Beatles wearing sunglasses. But yeah, this so everything about Revolver really feels like um, it was the beginning of this revolution of new things, new musical directions, new graphical ideas, the drugs and mind expansion, everything sort of starting here, right? Um, this crescendo. And uh, let's see. There's a bunch of notes here. There's a website that has uh, an article about all the different elements that are on the cover. I don't even know if I can... Oh, the source images. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. The, all the different source images that they used. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, just, I'm just trying to scrutinize this. Nice. Taking a quick look at the back cover here. Yeah. Yeah, so they have, uh, yeah, it's a black and white image of the four Beatles wearing sunglasses in the studio. Very cool. Or is it in color? See, uh, this, some are in black and white, some are in, I don't know what the difference is here. Maybe it's the U.S. and the British version. I'm not sure. But anyway, there's two different versions of the uh Interesting. Uh, so let's check it out. Let's check out Revolver. Um, let me read to you what it says here. You know, they also have the little 
um, the writing about the albums that I've been reading every time. Uh, I don't know who wrote these things, but these are sort of descriptions of the albums <coughs> on Apple Music. Here we go. Uh, while it's romantic to imagine that Revolver was a bolt of genius that arrived without context or precedent, the reality is more interesting. Sometime in 1965, the Beatles' longtime producer, George Martin, quit his contract with EMI Records. Martin had been working at a flat rate without royalties. In other words, he would have made what he made no matter how well the band did. Martin knew EMI wouldn't risk jeopardizing the band's streak, and in leaving, he essentially forced the company to pay him what he was worth. That EMI owned the studios at Abbey Road outright meant the Beatles could record more or less as much as they wanted, an opportunity that, coupled with their increasing reluctance to tour, marked an existential shift in orientation. The Beatles were a studio band now. What was once a refuge, the band liked recording in part because it gave them a break from the fatigue of touring and public fame, turned into a hub of inspiration. Some results were obvious. The wild tape loop collages of Tomorrow Never Knows or George Harrison's guitar solo on I'm Only Sleeping, made during a six-hour session in which the part was transcribed in reverse by Martin, then recorded with the tape playing backwards so as to make the final product sound like it was being sucked out from inside the song. Others... Compression, Leslie speakers that gave vocals a liquid sloshing quality, and automatic double tracking capacity that allowed the band to split signals across the stereo field and give the recordings new spatial dimension were subtler, but in all cases pointed to a supremacy of sound for sound's sake. The pastiche of faces and lack of band attribution on the album's cover drove home the point. For all the 300-something hours that went into the album's recording, it's hard to picture Revolver being made by four guys standing in a room. While McCartney was getting more interested in characters and scenarios for no one Eleanor Rigby, Lennon, then starting to sleep, then starting to steep in LSD, was withdrawing into the mysteries of the self. She said, she said, tomorrow never knows. Harrison, previously a little peripheral, found not only a voice but range. Compare the serrated R&B of Taxman to the Indian drones of Love You Too, a contrast as stark as any in the band's catalog. In a way, it's understandable why the album was considered minor compared to Sgt. Pepper's for so long. Pepper's had a rambling mythic quality that made it seem like something more than just a set of songs, while Revolver was still essentially following the rubric of Rubber Soul, a compact set of tracks meant to show the best ideas the band had. But if Peppers liberated the concept of the big, sprawling rock album, Revolver still speaks to how we understand 21st century pop. Fragmented, super eclectic, each song a fully saturated mood different from the one three minutes in either direction. Where Peppers ambled, Revolver honored the entertainer's timeless responsibility to grab you by the ears. Less than a week after the album was released, the band held a press conference at the Astor Hotel in Chicago, where Lennon was inevitably forced to clarify his observation from the previous March that the Beatles had become more popular than Jesus, a comment controversial enough to be publicly denounced by the Vatican, who noted that some subjects should be respected even by beatniks. A few questions later, a member of the press noted, 
respectfully in both directions that Jesus probably would have appreciated Eleanor Rigby. Lenin, so exhausted and troubled by the ordeal that he'd broken down in tears while preparing to meet the reporters, demurred. So there's the, uh, there's that, uh, write-up. And there's a different write-up on the deluxe version. Maybe we'll get to that one. Um, it's interesting, uh, uh, last year, my, one of my nephews, uh, Nathan, got a record player, and my brother-in-law, Joe, who's a big Beatles fan, one, was trying to decide which record to get him, a Beatles record, because these young kids, they may never have even heard of the Beatles. And I think he chose Revolver to get him a, you know, just a, a vinyl copy of Revolver to be an introduction to the Beatles, which is probably a good introduction, as, as this is an incredibly strong album. There, is no, there are no weak points on this album. I mean, obviously, some songs are better than others, but uh, it is an amazing album. Let's just go through song by song, as, as, as we've been doing, just to get a little idea. Let me go to the mono version. I, I prefer the mono version. I don't know if it's psychological or it just is better, but anyway, starting off with Taxman, which does feel a bit like Batman, doo-doo-doo-doo, Taxman. And, of course, it's about how if you were making a lot of money, as the Beatles were, at that time Britain had this super, super tax system where the rich were being uh, completely pummeled with taxes and paying, I think some people were saying, 95 or 97% of the money they earned in, in taxes. It was, And this is, you got to remember, you know, especially when we're talking about the Stones versus Beatles episode of The Central many years ago, as Doc Slees mentioned, um, the Beatles... We're, we're, we're from a, a poor background. They were working class, right? I know the term middle class means different things in Britain than it does here, but they were working class. They were not rich, whereas the Rolling Stones were more rich and privileged. So now these guys, George Harrison, from a very humble beginning, is starting to make a lot of money, but now he's paying it all in taxes because of these, the, uh, the tax rules. That's why so many, especially musicians and other people that were making a lot of money, had to move out of Britain because it was untenable. So it came up with this song, Taxman. So it starts off with this, this count, one, two, which they're saying was Paul, and someone coughing, which definitely s- seems like a signal about uh, marijuana, right? Let's just take a listen to this. One, two, three, four. So I just want to point out, like, the beginnings of the albums were all very meaningful. Like, and it just seems like especially we got a little slightly more relaxed beginning, I think, with Drive My Car on, on uh, Rubber Soul. But here we have this uh, sort of weird casual, someone coughing, the, the studio noise, as really a, a signaling something different is about to come your way. One, two, three, four. One, two. And is there almost like a hum in the background there? Let me see if I can see here one more time. It's just like some sort of overtone or something, right? Oh, I think it's like a bass note or something. Let me tell you how it will be. Yeah, and I was reading about it. Apparently, uh, John Lennon agreed to help uh, George with this song. And um, added the lines, uh-huh, Mr. Wilson, uh-huh, Mr. Heath. And it was the first time they mentioned actual living people. I guess Harold Wilson was the prime minister, and then uh, Mr. 
Heath was the uh, opposition leader, from if I recall correctly. Anyway, there's uh, f- how many songs are on the album? Let's get the reference here. I mean, the Wikipedia article, and this is massive because there's just so much to talk about with with this. Yeah, so there's 14 songs, no covers, no covers. Uh, George Harrison um, had three songs. Uh, he wrote three songs on the album. All the rest were Lennon McCartney songs. Um, and let's see. Ringo sings on only one song, but it's a big one. Yellow Submarine. Yes. Though it's confusing because there's a later album called Yellow Submarine that's based on this song. This song is here within this album. So a lot of these songs are like little universes unto themselves. Yellow Submarine and Tomorrow Never Knows for two of them, but there's so many. Um, There's so much going on here. Let's continue on, shall we? The next song, of course... Look at all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? Look at all the lonely people. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding is. The voice of the original Paul. There it is. Uh, yeah, obviously, this is a, an amazing song, very different tonally to Taxman. Wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? Right? Talking about lonely people dying alone. And what a, what a different and strange, wonderful subject matter for a, for a pop song, pop rock song. Um, and it does stand as one of their classics. Um, I would say the next song, I'm Only Sleeping, is, is one of my special favorites from this album. I just love this song. When I wake up early in the morning... Lift my head, I'm still yawning. Yes, I love this one. Lift my head, I'm still yawning. Yeah, what a song. And by the way, I wanted to mention, I I didn't mention this, but Eleanor Rigby is one of the 209 songs, two minutes and nine seconds. These songs are all still fairly short. I'm Only Sleeping is three minutes. Uh, <laughs> love that song. But then, of course, George comes with his second song from the album, Love You Too. And this is one of those titles that I know I know the song intimately, but the title, Love You Too, I couldn't exactly remember the song from the title before. Um, and this is where he comes full on with the sitar and the Indian raga kind of sound. And this was, I think, the first, they were saying one of the first times that, um, you know, Indian music was being used in a pop song like this. Right. So, I mean, like, these first four, just each one is so monumental and so different in so many ways. Right. And this is sounding a lot like a raga, because, you know, I've... um, I've made a few attempts to delve into the world of Hindustani classical music with ragas like like this um it's it's such a daunting alternate universe of music and i'm sure this led a lot of people into that um that i have to say i've only dipped my toe in but i i do from time to time listen to ragas that sound a bit like this and of course it goes into each day just goes on fast like that. <laughs> 
See, I forgot how long this first part goes. And it leads into... Yes, this part. Such a great moment. Just goes so fast. You turn around its past. Amazing. Uh, and up next is Here, There, and Everywhere. Again, all these songs are so different. This is Paul singing. To lead a better life, I need someone to be near. Right? Whoa. To lead a better life, I need my love to be near. Just, just, that, just that opening. And it, every time I hear a song like this, or any of these Beatles songs, what has happened to the people of this world and the music of this world that people don't seem to make music like this anymore? It's just so different and so confident and, and, and so musically complex and still appealing to the masses. What happened? I don't know. Can you imagine a, a brand new band doing something like this? I guess the problem is they would be accused of, oh, copying the 60s sound. But at this point, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm just trying to say. It wouldn't have to sound like this, but it would have to be equally as, um, what's the right word? I don't even know how to describe it. You know what I'm talking about. I need someone, my love to be near. And this is like where these Paul songs have this kind of, some people call them sappy or sentimental, but, and they are, but they just, they're so well crafted that they absolutely work. I think these kind of songs are harder to do where, where you are being sentimental and uh, perhaps a bit sappy, but without it um, devolving into something uh, treacly, you know. Anyway, up next, yes. The big one, Yellow Submarine. So much going on in this. I mean, this is the song that spawned the animated movie and this sort of uh, the psychedelia of sort of combining sort of nursery rhymes, childhood themes with drugs and, oh, my God, everything. In the town where I was born. So I think that, uh, you know, some of the previous Ringo pieces act naturally, etc., did not particularly suit him. But this is where Ringo, I mean, nails it completely, this song. And I didn't get into this, really read much about the history of this song. Perfect for Ringo. What a monumental, amazing song. Uh, again, on an album where every song is so different and so bizarre and so wonderful. Here we get, In the town where I was born, where I was born, lived a man. Who sailed the sea? We all live in a yellow submarine, and apparently, yeah, a lot of people were on that song. I'm looking at the uh, additional musicians. Mal Evans played the bass drum and background vocals on Yellow Submarine. Mal Evans is a strange dude. He really is. He's this sort of tall, imposing character that's always there on the edge of any pictures of the Beatles and 
in Get Back, he's in, 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 yeah in the Get Back movie, he's all over the place there. He's like their assistant. He's getting tea for them, but it was also suggested that he was sort of a like a, a handler for the uh, replacement Paul. Strange guy, Mal Evans. Neil Aspinall, who I think was their uh, press agent, right, was also um, background vocals. Brian Jones from the uh, Rolling Stones played sound effects, ocarina, and background vocals on Yellow Submarine. Patty Boyd, who was right, she was uh, she was in Hard Day's Night, and she did marry George eventually, I believe. Was background vocals. Marianne Faithful, another singer on on Yellow Submarine. A lot going on in this song. I mean, this song is. And again, a sort of a, mu- a musical universe unto itself. We all live in a yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know if you remember, there was that book from Japan called Universe for Rent. And it, it just went into people's apartments in, in Japan. And one guy had created this this yellow submarine for himself. It was like inside his apartment, he he created this like crawl space all made of yellow plastic that he could go inside of. And it was his yellow submarine. It was so wild. (laughs) Anyway, the next song is She Said, She Said. And uh, this is by John Lennon. And and, um, again, it is... uh, uh, I know a conversation he had with Peter Fonda uh, when they both were taking LSD, apparently. And she said, I know what it's like to be dead. So they're having this like weird conversation on LSD. Another amazing song. Just listen to that start. <laughs> And it's making me feel like I've never been born. Right? That's side one of the album. Yeah, I mean, just such an embarrassment of riches, this album. Um, But, of course, side two is equally as as big and amazing. And starts off with Good Day Sunshine, a song that um, I feel can kind of get lost in the mix of Beatles songs. Um. And feels a bit more, I don't know what to say, it feels a bit more, it doesn't have as quite as big of an identity as some of these other songs, but it is always a pleasant song to hear, you know. Listen to that, listen to that, was that a piano note? Great song. And then, uh, and your bird can sing. It just itself, just in such an incredible song. You say you've seen seven wonders, and your bird can sing. Like, how do you start a song like this? It just it starts like the first few seconds. Again, like it just sketches out this entire musical universe in this, in three seconds, in two seconds. Really impressive. And I want to hear, let me just hear what the, the remastered, the remixed version of that one sounds like, just out of curiosity. Oh. 
yeah, it has a more dimensionality. I don't know. I just kind of like the, I, li I like the mono version, so. And here, and next up is For No One with McCartney. Again, it, one of those more, I wouldn't say sappy songs, but, you know, much more heartfelt. Your day breaks, your mind aches, right? Your day breaks, your mind aches. You find that all linger on when she no longer needs you she I wonder about this one also for the the, the remix <laughs> your day breaks your mind aches you find that all words it's weird all the different mixes and remixes and stuff yeah it gives them a slightly different feel right and in her mind you see nothing no sign of love behind the tears cried for no one a love that could have lasted yes uh and then we get to dr robert uh perhaps one of the more stranger songs on the album about this doctor from new york that would give amphetamine shots to his patients ring my friend i say you called the, what does what ringo need some speed what's going on here you know <laughs> I mean, this is definitely not, this is definitely one of the more, again, sort of the um, subtle songs on the album that are, are not quite as famous and are not quite, you know, it's, this, is, this is one of the more, uh, certainly not filler, but it's one of the less outrageously amazing songs on the album. Yeah, and then... I want to tell you, and this is George Harrison's third song on the album, so he's really, his songwriting is really improving. I want to tell you. And this is just a stone cold classic of a song with that fade in, this sort of casual, confident. Unbelievable. Amazing. To yeah. Let me get Got to Get the Into My Life by Paul McCartney. Uh, another incredible song. I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find there. <laughs> Horns. I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find there. Is this it? Is this sort of the the end of uh, Paul? Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is the last chronologically the song on the album before he uh, he goes away. If you are if you consider this theory that he died a few months later, what an amazing song! Another road where maybe I could see another. I suppose a slightly hoarse that kind of another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind. And then, of course, we get to Tomorrow Never Knows the, uh, with all those other amazing songs. This one is the most significant, the biggest, and most important songs, I think, of the Beatles' career, and perhaps in music, Tomorrow Never Knows. Starting with that sitar drone, right? The tape loops. Turn off your mind. 
Yeah. Anyway, this is a big one. I think rightly a lot of people call it the best album. It may be the best starting point. It is basically, in what we see historically, at the middle, right? It's the seventh out of, I think, 12 or 13 albums. Um, it's the middle year between 63 and 70, approximately the middle. And as I would say, uh, this is the departure point in this timeline where we something happened, something big happened, and... Uh, However you feel about the Paul thing, um, and I'm not, and listen, obviously the replacement and the music they produced after this is utterly incredible, and I would not want to be without that music, but one can only wonder what would have happened if Paul had lived, but the fact that in August, September 1966 is when all this happened. This album comes out, they end the touring, Paul dies, if you believe such things. Yoko Ono enters the scene, though apparently, I didn't realize this, Yoko Ono went over to Paul McCartney's house before she met, met John Lennon at this art gallery where she had, a, had, a, had an exhibit. Um, Paul with the Jesus, uh, John with the Jesus, I mean, everything was happening uh, this year. And uh, I just want to hear George talking about 1966 one more time. It's uh, kind of chilling sort of break through as an identity on... 1966. Well, I mean, he was always in there. George Harrison, whoever the real one is, was always there, really. But 1966 was when... He's also talking about the real one as himself, but maybe he's talking about the real Paul. I don't know. I sort of woke up out of my dream. What made you wake up? Well, a number of things, the experiences that we were having, and one experience which I don't really like to talk about. And then again, the dentist putting LSD in his coffee was the year earlier, so I think he's talking about Paul. Too much, but somebody put something in my coffee. <laughs> See, that's his way of getting out of it, you know. I'm sure if this is all true, the, the handlers are watching every interview if he's going to say something about Paul, so... Paul dying, so he goes and mentions the LSD spiked coffee, which was not in '66. <laughs> right, so it changed your consciousness. So it changed me a lot, yeah. Hmm. Then I went off to India. <laughs> he went off to India on September 14th, three days after Paul died, and September 11th. That seems to be the uh, consensus date that Paul died was September 11th, 1966. And there was a whole thing. If you watch this channel, there's a whole thing about that. The, there was a music awards that they're saying was after September 11th, but they think it actually was a week earlier. If you interpret some some of the clues, Paul is a dead man. Miss him, miss him, miss him, as we will hear on uh, the White Album. But uh, yeah, coming up next, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yes, including a Billy, Billy Shears. Yes, the Paul, the new Paul mania begins next time. Anyway, I feel like I only scratched the surface of this, uh, of, of this album, Revolver. There's so much more to learn and to know about this album. But anyway, just some thoughts on uh, Revolver and uh, back to you, PQ. Oh, man, it's just so much, this Revolver album. And it's so beautiful, Frank. 
Oh, th- th- thanks. Th- this this has just been awesome. Uh, I, I do miss Rob. Uh, I do hope that somehow or other he catches up one way or to other. And uh, I hope you had fun here too. And 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 just so many thanks to the to the weasels and and and, and to 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 shambles and Frank and you and wow uh, the the Beatles were and next week next week it's the Sergeant Pepper album uh and as always uh, here's more or less how your participation works in all of this of course you've got follow-up on any of the albums up to sergeant pepper and sergeant pepper they they can all be addressed and uh, your general beatles stuff we will also amalgamate as we go uh because this is just so special and great um it, there's nothing like the overnight scape underground and especially nothing like the overnight scape central to to keep everything just just floating in some the auger like substance aspic jelly um so to speak uh let's see so here's how it works uh, looking at the calendar let's say uh we're shooting for next weekend now. So uh, what are we, we are looking at? Uh, oh, uh, let's try to get it to me by the 16th. Next Thursday, the 15th, next Wednesday of March 2023. Uh, record something, write something, however that works. And um, how we are going to do it is uh, you're going to send it to this email address. Yeah. And you know it already, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. It's kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And once again, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I this is, uh, we're just rolling right up and uh, loving the Beatles all the way around uh hopefully you'll be here the next time around and uh talking at us because that would be awfully cool and uh in the meantime set the controls for the heart of the fun would you